Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season. Or only one episode. Or about murder. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Order, strength, logic. Order, strength, logic. Order, strength, logic. I think it was strength. It was strength, right? I, I don't think it was strength. Damn it. <laughs> uh, might have been strength. It's uh, it's far down in my notes. <laughs> w- welcome back to Murder in Small Town X. <laughs> Yes, this is part two of uh, Murder in Small Town X. Uh, the final part, I think, unless we get super deep into an episode and we, it becomes our first three-parter. But uh, this is how we continue to look at uh, the one-season wonder reality-slash-crime-scene-investigation show, Murder in Small Town X. Yes. Big thanks to M for uploading all of this so that we could do this very episode. And uh, before we get started, I got this crazy idea. Yeah. Let's pour one out. All right, what you got there? I have Order of the Scarlet Liquor, because OSL is an important figure or an important group uh, in this uh, upcoming episodes. All right. So uh, to give it the scarlet color, I went with uh, some grenadine. And then because they're all so crazy, I went with some bananas Ooh. rum. And uh, the mixer I used was the Yeti seltzer that you bought. I believe the flavor is listed as Yeti Mayhem. Yeah, I was unsupervised at the grocery store, guys. So, since it's a mystery, I have a mystery flavor. And then on top of that... We legitimately have not yet opened it. Yeah, so I have Uh, no idea what this is going to taste like. It's the Yeti Polar. They have mermaid, too. Uh, And then for a garnish, I I took a, a chopstick and impaled a sour gummy octopus to make a little broom. I was trying to figure out a way to do a, little a broom. little sweeper. A little sweeper. So this is my first time sipping it here on the air. Ooh, there's an odor. Wow. I I definitely can't place the flavor of the Yeti Madness because it's mixed with bananas and grenadine. So it's a very <laughs> confusing drink. Uh, I kind of want to try it, but I also don't. I think that's. I think don't is probably the best choice for you. All right, I have the tequila sunrise. Ooh, and it is a tequila sunrise uh, because we're recording a little later at night. I wanted to do a Sam's Diner coffee drink, uh, but I also want to sleep tonight. Yes. So instead of doing a coffee drink, I've gone with the tequila sunrise, which is a classic tequila sunrise. But in honor of the burnt man, I ate a handful of marshmallows before we started recording. Yeah, that makes sense. And let the record show that once again, we were thwarted by elements outside of our control. As we sat down to record this last night, it stormed so badly 
that we could not record. Yeah, it was a very murder mystery. It was a dark and stormy night. Yes. It, uh, it sounded like someone was spraying our windows with a hose. It knocked down my Halloween decoration that was still up. Yes. So, <laughs> So it's going to be time to decorate for Christmas now, I guess. We're once again very tight scheduled here. I am starting to believe that this episode is cursed. Yeah. <laughs> it's still going to go out, I know. Uh, also, I apologize. At some point, you will hear me eat a gummy octopus. So, um... The remaining suspects. Let's start with who's left. Let's jump in with who's left here. The remaining suspects are Jimmy, Abby's boyfriend, Mary Elizabeth, Abby's best friend, William Lambert, uh, Nate's business partner, Sam Larrabee, the diner owner, Frank Kovic, the reporter, Prudence Connor, uh, the garage mechanic slash Nate's paramour, Deanna, who's the lawyer, whose name is not important enough for me to have written down her last name. Mm -hmm. Reverend Rusty Crandall, the creepy pastor. Thibodeau, the uh, ferryman who was fired by Nate. The the Mayor Bowden. And Major Hayden DeBeck, or General Hayden DeBeck. I don't know why I said the Major. I think because I said Mayor Bowden. (laughs) I literally just figured something out. Yeah. If the uh, mayor was running for re-election, mm-hmm. what would his, like, flyers say? Vote in Bowden? Maybe vote for Bowden? Ooh. That just clicked. Verboten. Verboten. Foreboding. Oh, I get it. Yo, you, you didn't get it when I said it the first time? Tequila Foreboding. Sunrise. <laughs> Yeah, his name is Forboden. I have not had a sip of the tequila sunrise yet. It's just sitting here decoratively. Our remaining investigators are uh, Kristen, the prickly blonde who has... (laughs) What a great description. Who has irritated everyone in the house but has a temporary truce with Katie and Angel. Katie, the plucky young woman who is really just into the creepy stuff. Into dying. Um, Angel, the New York firefighter, who is just kind of a chill fella. Um, Alan, who is, just picture the year 2002. That's Alan. (laughs) Uh, Brian. He is Hollister. Yeah. Brian is a dude. And Jeff is a male model. Brian has no traits. Mm -mm. Brian is a dude. True. Chomp, chomp, chomp. I ate the octopus, guys. Do you want me to stop so that you can edit this out? (laughs) Uh, so we start episode five, because we're halfway through, and uh, Jeff and Brian are bullying Kristen, Kristen, because uh, we don't see Brian unless we see someone and Brian, because he didn't yeah. do anything. He's not interesting on his own. Um, and Angel tries to convince Kristen not to let the bullying get to her. Uh, Stacy, who's murdered in the last episode, has named Jeff as the lifeguard. Kind of as like one last middle finger to Kristen. Yeah. Uh, like, guess what? If I go out, you're going out in the... Uh, killer's game again because jeff hate you yeah um angel kind of says that jeff openly campaigned for the position mm-hmm. and we kind of see like a clip of jeff being like hey make me lifeguard i want to be a lifeguard and jeff immediately like sits down at the command center is like yeah and angel just barely doesn't roll his eyes yeah like you watch he him maintains you watch him fight it yes so we have two tracks uh we have angel and Kristen. 
who are on the track to uh, go to the lighthouse. Yes. And then the other tr- the other main track is going to the boathouse to meet Kovic to get his alibi for Lyda's murder because they found that puzzle at, right. her, d- at her house when she died. And Katie very cleverly noticed that the puzzle had to have fallen before Lyda's death because... There was blood all over the puzzle and an empty space of carpet under the puzzle. Yeah, let's. I want to talk about this real quick. They find this puzzle. Yeah. And they were like, wow, that means that Kovic was there before the murder. Bum, bum, bum. Like, because it's engraved, we know this. We got to go question him. However, they also find the piece of Lambert's jacket. Yes. And they confirm by stealing his jacket that it is a piece from his jacket. And all that Gary Cheeto, I'm sorry, wrong wrong snack food. Gary Frito. <laughs> all that Gary Frito says is, well, that tells us that this jacket was at the crime scene. And they never follow up. They never ask Lambert, you know, how did this get here? They're just like, wow, that jacket was there. I bet... I bet Kovic stole that jacket and then went and saw... Like, they don't follow up on what I think is a very big piece of evidence. Yeah, so, like, we we see Angel and Kristen on the boat to the lighthouse, and Angel is, like... Angel's the kind of person we don't see a lot in reality shows, where he's just, like, happy to be there and good at stuff. Yeah, genuine good dude like he's, having, like, a good time. And he's, like, nice to Kristen, and he's not getting involved in the conflicts, but he's trying to, like, make peace. He's there to make friends. He he reminds me of a contestant on the quest. Because Angel's the one in the first episode who's like, read your favorite uh, mystery novel. Now close your eyes. Open them, and you're there. Like, yeah. he was so into, like... This is his The Quest. Angel's on a LARP. Yeah, he's having a ball. Uh, Brian and Alan are going to uh, go see Kovic, and they get to the boathouse as Frank's wife is screaming at him. You can just stand there. can't just walk out on everything. I sure can. I'm going back to my parents because I don't want to be here anymore. I said that I was sorry, Kate. Sorry doesn't count, Frank. You need a lot more than sorry to make things change. You can't just throw everything away. I'm not throwing anything away. Who threw what away? It was one night. Yeah, well, it was more than one night, Frank. It was a marriage. we were going to talk about this. Yeah, we were going to talk about things. But what happened to you last night? Hey, I was here by myself. Who were you here with, Frank? I was by myself. Who were you with? I don't believe that. Why should I believe that? We're leaving. You want to say goodbye to your daughter? Calm down. I'm not gonna calm down! Which, by the way, if you're ever in the situation where your wife is confronting you because you have cheated on her, uh, don't say calm down. I don't know what else to say, though. Freak out more? I'm sorry, please put that frying pan down? You, I, I think put down that frying pan is right up there with calm down. <laughs> we, Frank's daughter... Who is mentioned so seldom in this. Well, Frank does have a very young daughter. Yeah, we needed another character. Uh, who is, his wife takes with her as she mm. leaves him. And we find out that Sam Larrabee might be pregnant. Which, I feel like we saw Sam drink alcohol at the Sunset Room in Ooh. an early episode. Ooh, that's a good point. Um, which I'm like, but then again, if his wife is just finding out, did Frank just find out? Like... Did Sam just find out? She might not be very far along. Right, right. Katie is also there, and she's like, "What was what was your alibi? Just 
help us rule you out. Like she has a very, like very good cop. He was the diner talking to Sam, Mm -hmm. theoretically finding out about the pregnancy. And he estimates he was there from 9.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. They're trying to get into the boathouse, but, like, Frank's not letting them in. Yes. And there's a great moment where Jeff goes, How bad do you want to go into his boathouse? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah, they're setting up this mysterious boathouse, which does pay off much later. But I, I really like Katie. Katie is great. She's like Angel, where, like, she's having fun. Katie also has the, like, genre savvy of, like, she is a cute, plucky young woman. Mm-hmm. So she's she's lived this long, so that means final girl. Yes. Like, like, but she also has that feeling of like her favorite podcast is my favorite murder. Yeah, like she'd be really in like she'd be really into serial now. Yeah, like she she's in this situation where it's like, I really wish we can get into that boathouse. There might be dead bodies in there. Yeah, she is a she is a stay sexy, don't get murdered type. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we find out that like when they're driving back, X-ray is driving, and Thibodeau almost runs him off the road, and asks one of them to meet him at the Salmon Cannery after eight p.m. I need one of you to meet me at the Salmon Pens tonight after eight o'clock. Which Just salmon one pens? of you. Which Salmon? You know the Salmon Pens by the old sow. Okay. After eight o'clock. I got something I gotta tell you. Alright, sir. Simplify? Simplify. Because Thibodeau's a Marine. Yes. So he's gotta say Simplify after everything he does, as Marines do. Yeah, of course. This is like a big pop culture thing, because like I know a number of Marines in real life, and they don't say it as punctuation. I didn't even notice this happened, so I'm glad you made this note. Yeah, he like, he says it a lot. Hmm. Um, and like... Two of my very good friends are married to Marines, and I've heard each of them say it maybe once or twice. Yeah. Um, it's not punctuation. We find out there was a terrible gale in 1941 that killed, as Kristen says, the Duchamps family. <laughs> yes. The Duchamps. The Duchamps family. The Duchamps. Because it's French. Uh, Duchamps. <laughs> and we see the sweepers, because I, I make a note every time I see the sweepers, so I'm like, bah, sweepers! Sweep, sweep, sweep. Angel and Kristen arrive. At the uh, marina, right as Prudence shanks a mako shark. Yeah, you see, you just hear this like bang, and Prudence then becomes the most suspicious a human per- person can be. I love this exchange though. I actually wrote down the exchange because it made me laugh. Because her timing, Prudence's timing is very good. Like the actress who plays Prudence has extremely good dry comic timing. And then she gets on the boat and tries to run away as fast as possible. She's like, I'm on the boat. You can't talk to me anymore. And this is clearly, uh, it's also very obvious. Like Prudence has a bang stick. There's no exit wound from a bang stick. It's clearly the weapon that killed Carmen. Yeah. So it's very clearly trying to throw us into the uh, Prudence killed Carmen camp. Yeah. And I I write down here, uh, this could be like Clue where everybody got got by a different person. Yeah, this is where you start this like... 
conspiracy theory where like, oh, everybody's in on this. Uh, I've watched a lot of Riverdale and that's how it would work in Riverdale. I mean, did you think I forgot Riverdale? No, of course not. (laughs) But like, I will say as someone who had watched the show previously and know what's coming and know that like the answer's pretty complicated for you to then start pitching a more complicated (laughs) answer to this was so funny to me. Like, yeah, maybe they're all the killer. Uh, Well, one of my favorite movies is Clue. Of course. Where uh, in one of the endings, they all did it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did in the hall with the revolver. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, Alan, who never learns, goes to meet Thibodeau by himself, and we hear the voiceover of Gary Dorito talking about how being alone puts you at risk. I said Dorito. Yep, yeah, yeah. We'll go through all the snack foods. It's fine. So Alan shows up, and Thibodeau is arguing with Prudence Connor, who then throws the bang stick into the sea. <laughs> yeah. They'll never find this. Yeah, she just yeets it into the water, and... Uh, the show hasn't learned anything because we go back and forth and we see Alan telling, like, here's what happened while I was by myself like an yes, idiot. Yes, once again. There's... Alone with two suspects. Yeah, it could have been so exciting. Um, and we hear Thibodeau accuse Prudence Connor of protecting, you're protecting Jimmy Tinker. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the hell does Jimmy Tinker have to do with anything? Right. Um, and so then uh, Gary Cheese Popcorn calls Rusty Crandall's phone because that was the last number dialed on Light of Blodgett's phone. And Mary Elizabeth answers. Yes. And for no reason, we have a shot of (laughs) Reverend Rusty Crandall taking a shower in the background because Fox. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rusty Crandall's like not attractive enough for that to be Fox. Um, I think we're supposed to think he is. Okay. I um, don't know. But people are not nearly upset enough that Mary Elizabeth picks up the phone when they call the priest. Well, at this point, like, Mary Elizabeth is kind of, uh, for want of a better term, uh, I'm trying to trying to think of uh, what I can compare her to. The Watcher? Because <laughs> she's just everywhere? Oh, I was, you know what? More like Stan Lee. Or no, like, I'm trying to think of like a cartoon where like there was a character who was just in an odd job every time we saw them. Yeah, the, um, the dentist from Rocco. Yes. With the hook for a hand. Yeah, who's just like in a different odd job. (laughs) Um, and, uh, Gary Cheese Popcorn asks what time it is. And Mary Elizabeth goes, it's 108. <laughs> yes. And like giggles. And that's when we realized that the answering machine is an hour behind. Yes. Like it never sprung forward when the clock sprung forward. Mm-hmm. Which means Kovic's alibi does not exclude him from having committed the murder. Right. Because the time of death would have been 11.15, not 10.15. And Frank was only at the diner till 11. Till 11. So then we go to the diner and it's Alan and Katie and Brian. And Katie is sweet as pie. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, not letting Alan and Brian talk, which is probably for the best. And she's like, we don't want to accuse you, Sam. We just want to know, like, if you tell us where you were, we can take you off our list. 
which is like the way to go about this. Mm-hmm. And Tim was like, well, I was at the diner where I work all the time and I never leave. Um, and Frank shows up and Brian takes him aside and Frank confesses to Brian that he went to Lyda's house that night. Yes. So he does kind of have an explanation that he was there, didn't kill her, but maybe perhaps dropped a puzzle. Yeah. He went to go and he was angry at her because Lyda told Frank's wife about his affair with Sam. Right. Um, and we find out that Sam is two and a half months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Which explains a little bit. It explains why we saw her drinking a little bit earlier in the show. Right. Because by this point, I think it's every three days. So we're on episode five. So she's... She may not have known. She may not have known uh, when in the early episodes. I mean, in the early... The scene where we think we saw her drinking would be before they have the argument. Yes. And you could kind of put together that the reason they're having the argument is because Sam is telling Kovic that she's pregnant. Yeah. So she could have just found out then. Yeah. Solving stuff. Yeah. And Sam pleads with Katie to defend Frank. She said, like, I love him as a friend and I don't want to ruin his life marriage. Like, I don't want to ruin his life or his marriage. And I'm like, well, you had sex with a married man. Yeah. That's a pretty marriage ruining thing, bruh. Um... She, like, friend-zones him after having sex, uh, yeah. which is, you know, cool. So, Frank is like, I know stuff. I'll give you information. And he has a friend who's a banker on the Cayman Islands. And we find out that Flint had an offshore account that was getting right. money uh, that was getting money uh, put in. But we don't know anything else yet. Then we find Kristen and Angel learn how to scuba dive. Yes. Uh, Kristen sucks at it. Kristen, yes. She sucks so much she's not allowed to do it. Yes. Um, in unsurprising news, is good at it. Yes. That's kind of that there. Yeah, so she's, he's learning to scuba dive so he can retrieve the bang stick that got thrown into the water by Prudence. Yes. So once again, we're in this situation where it's, you go to a diner and talk to a lady... You learn how to breathe underwater. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the, but then Katie Allen and Brian have to go to Flint's basement and they find some shredded papers and they find uh, the dates and the sum, $250,000 total, all withdrawn right before the murder. I wanted this to be something. You totally thought this was going to be the reward money. Yeah, I kind of wanted Which is a great assumption to make. Um, I wanted it to be because that would have been really cool. Yeah, unfortunately not the case. That would have been really cool. But we'll find out what that money is for soon. Because then I have that thing of like, we never did find what happened to Abby and Nate. Maybe they faked their deaths. Oh, yeah. And you were like, there's no bodies. They're alive. And that they're like trying to take everybody in town down with them. And like, I wanted. They're like the Black Hood from Riverdale. I wanted you to continue down that road because I completely did not bring up the fact that we saw Abby's dead body, like with her head blown up in the background when her mom is reading the letter in the first episode. And I guess you could have faked that, but I was like, no, I want I want Laura to go down this and be like, no, Abby's the killer. Oh, I never, I never thought, I thought if anything, Abby was like, just kind of like, I'm with my dad. 
Yeah, just the... the um, and then we get to the killer's game. Yes, we're back to the killer's game. The red envelope is... How many sweepers were at the pier? Uh, Angel didn't count, but Kristen swears it's 12. And Angel's like, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 12. And we clear Deanna the lawyer, who has done nothing important. Nothing. We've barely seen her. Um, not, nor is she useful. No, you'd think that the lawyer would show up more in this situation. You know, thing where people are getting interrogated? Yeah. Um, not without my lawyer present. Yeah. And meanwhile, the lawyer has done nothing but hit on people? Nothing, yeah. Nothing but kind of hoe around. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> we don't know that. I was saying hit on people. You're slut <laughs> I, I Yeah, I jumped a few levels there. Uh, but I also want to say, this is one of the few uh, killer questions that bothers me. Yeah. Because it's something that is difficult for the killer to know the answer to without having been there. Okay. So it made my wheels turn of like, well, who was there to know that? Which is super not a clue. Hey, Editor Noah here. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to bring this up as I was editing. Here I mentioned that the killer would have to be at the dock in order to know the answer to this killer question. In editing and going back and looking through the footage, the killer is there. So my theory of this being a clue or should have been a clue actually is a clue because the killer is in this scene. Just wanted to throw that in. Back to your normal episode. Yeah, I didn't even think of that because I was like, no. These these questions are so arbitrary. Yeah. Everything else was kind of like things that anyone could potentially find out like you know how far the river or the the bay recedes or when oscar was born or whatever this was the only one that was like very situational that i was like iffy on the killer having the information so um jeff chooses Kristen in the least shocking decision in reality tv and brian is voted in yes for being uninteresting so Brian gets sent to the aquaculture, and Kristen is sent to Thibodeau's cabin. So th- this is Kristen's what time going? Fourth? Yes. So The th- only time she didn't go was when she was the lifeguard. Yeah, so she would have a 12.5% chance at this point of surviving the killer's game four times. No, maybe even less, right? Because it's 50 the first time, then it's 25, then it's 12 and a half. Yeah, so she'd have a 6.25% chance of surviving the killer's game four times. Um, Angel's like, you know, if you come back again, Kristen, you're Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Brian's with the skid, X-Ray is with Kristen, and Brian is clearly kind of pissing himself in the car. Yes. Uh, there's also the worst day-to-night filming yeah this is the only one where i was like it's daytime right like this is a film effect it's really really obvious day to night shooting yeah like really really obvious um so then um you know they get there and Kristen finds someone laying in the cabin and he then Undertaker sits up yeah. and scares the crap out of her. Yeah, she, he's, she's in Thibodeau's cabin and she finds Thibodeau 
just like on the ground. And then he wakes up with a... I don't think we entirely notice at first that it's Thibodeau. Yeah. We just see somebody get up and she freaks out. Because it's like very haunted house. Like, mm-hmm. um, Then we see Brian get to the X. Yeah. It's kind of trying to set up that like Kristen was killed in that moment. Yes. It's trying to trick us. But it doesn't. Then Brian immediately gets got. Yeah. And uh, Thibodeau has a giant head wound. And Kristen starts to try to help him. Um, and then Kristen comes back alone because she mm-hmm. takes Thibodeau to get medical attention. And Jeff just like angry laughs. He, he like insanity laughs because Kristen made it back again. And uh, she also brings back another film. Yes. And we watch it and it's The Burned Man confessing to Oscar Blodgett's murder. Yes. Because Oscar Blodgett... We do want to remind you, died well before the events of the show. Yes, that's the body that was dug up and is the neighbor Lilith's... Lyda. Lyda, Lyda, excuse me. Uh, Lyda's uh, deceased husband. So at this point, we can successfully clear Deanna the lawyer, Mm -hmm. and we can most likely clear Thibodeau. Yeah, because... In that someone has now tried to kill him. Yeah, and also that a murder took place elsewhere while he was being found. True. Uh, But they don't like to address when an investigator gets murdered. They really don't. Um, My prediction in episode six is uh, Lambert still did it. Yeah, you're still on Lambert even though you're coming up with all these other ideas. Yeah, none of the other theories I have like stuck Mm -hmm. because I could never find anything. So after every episode when you were like, who do you think did it? I never really moved from Lambert because I never had a strong enough theory to divert. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I also started having my prediction of who was going to be cleared as a suspect in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, So in episode six, my prediction to be cleared is Sam or the mayor. Right. So I wanted to say that. Episode six. Thibodeau is missing and presumed dead. Yeah, I can't believe that Thibodeau dies off screen. Um... And then, uh... Because he was... They say something like, uh... Gary Onion Ring says something like... Uh, Gary Funyon? Gary Funyon. Gary Funyon says something like... Uh, someone broke into Thibodeau's uh, hotel... Hotel. Hospital room last night. Uh, he's presumed dead. Yeah, they're not very good at... Uh, like, what do the cops do here? Why not film that? Like, why not open the episode with that? Yeah. Instead of just being like, we ran out of money. <laughs> we didn't um, have time to film this. So Angel, and we don't know who the lifeguard is yet. Um, right. But we see Angel and Kristen go to the medical center. And the killer has clearly come back to finish the job. They find some blood. And whenever Angel reads a report, it's so obvious that this is what he actually does for a living. Right. Because he's this very practiced way of like reporting the details mm-hmm. to uh, Gary Cool Ranch. Yes. Um. And he has this very, like, calm, like, this is what happened. Here's the blood. Yep. It's mm. Thursday. And uh, Mo, who was the sad skid from Letterkenny, gives them a cassette. And it's Thibodeau repeating that he is ill. He is theoretically Gulf War syndrome. He confesses his love for Prudence Col- Connor and says he's trying to protect her because he thinks she killed Nate. Right. Um, and that Connor hated Nate. Yes. Um, Which is weird because there's pictures of them boning down. Yeah. 
And Thibodeau was in his dress blues in those. Because Thibodeau's military, and if you forget that for more than 30 seconds, they have to remind they you. They will remind you. So track one is going to talk to Connor, Kristen and Angel. Um, track two is Enhanced Power, which is the company that General DeBeck owns that was paying Nate Flint the money. And that's Jeff and Alan. Because Brian has willed Katie to be the lifeguard. Yes, Katie's the lifeguard. Good for Katie. So Enhanced Power is a cult. Yes, this is OSL. Um, and they find Sam. Yes, yeah, Sam Laramie is also going to join the cult yep. for a bit. Sam's joining a cult. Uh, there's a sweeper just like by the bus stop. Mm-hmm. By, you know, the cult bus stop. Clearly marked. Yeah. Um, and they find Connor burning something by Thibodeau's cabin. And um, Connor is grieving and like Connor immediately snaps at uh, Kristen and Angel because she's like I'm grieving my best friend go away yeah. I'm busy burning stuff and she also yells at a sweeper who shows up Yeah. She, oh she says like I'm not talking to you in front of the sweepers right Um. because the sweepers are the cult yes that's when we find out like oh they're the cult and then Mary Elizabeth shows up in white because guess what she's in the cult she's in the cult she's got her fingers in everything yeah this is very much Riverdale at this point like <laughs> we have an underage stripper in a cult Mary Elizabeth is Betty Cooper. Confirmed. Yeah. Um, so they do a thing where they have to wash themselves for 45 minutes. And this is when I'm like, oh, the assignments weren't random. Because this feels like, because they strip down the investigators too. Mm-hmm. And I can see why they send Jeff and Alan. Because it would probably feel really scary and exploitative to do that to Kristen or Katie. Yeah. Especially with how young Katie is. Yes. Like... I know we keep saying because Fox, but I think that's a line, even in reality shows, that Fox was not yet ready to cross. They get there. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely believe that they made sure that the women were not in this, like, uncomfortable situation. I could also believe that it was coincidental and the verbiage would be like, well, then just don't do it and you won't get your clues. Because this is Fox. We watched The Chamber. We knew what they did to humans. (laughs) Like, I think it could go either way. And I will say, dear listener, I tried desperately to talk to someone from this show. I reached out to as many people as I could and nobody bit. I, I reached out to the actors. I reached out to several contestants. I reached out to Gary Dunkaroos. Nothing. Yeah, so uh, we find out the Reverend Rusty Crandall's in the cult, and the initiates are in white. Not everyone is in white. The sweepers are sweepers. Mm -hmm. Um, Rusty Crandall's in, like, pastor garb. It's only the initiates and Mary Elizabeth. Yes. Um, Because Mary Elizabeth just kind of does whatever, and dressing in white looks cool. And you're right, it is order strength logic. Yes! It was really far (laughs) down in my notes, I didn't want to get there. Um... So, uh, then the next thing that happens is order. And DeBeck makes them arrange cards. Yeah, playing cards. And this is where Samantha quits because she's too weak. No, I don't think she does yet. I thought she she quit on the words. Because the first thing that they have to do is order a, a, a deck of playing cards. Right. And as they're ordering it, the Reverend's throwing more decks at them for right. them to order. 
And then the next challenge is they had to stand in a line and repeat words. So it was like strength, strength, power, strength, power, uh, unity. Yeah, like verbal Simon. Yeah, it was, it was, that's exactly what it was. It was verbal Simon and it like alternated people. And Sam had to keep like looking at notes. And the Reverend yells something like, you should be able to do this with a thousand words. And Samantha's like, nope, I'm out. So I'm like, I can't remember words. <laughs> this is the worst day. Which makes sense, because I think everything else after this would have been really difficult for them to portray a pregnant woman doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, then they make Alan and Jeff jog a bunch and then go into freezing cold water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go swimming. Fox. <laughs> yeah. And then they make them hold out brooms and repeat the alphabet. Yes. So let's talk about this. Okay. So they have to say the alphabet and like other stuff. Like they chant order strength logic. I think they say the alphabet backwards at some point. But they're holding a broom with straight arms in front of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a moment where like the Reven's like... Three, two, one. Did I say hold... 15 minutes, I meant 30. And like walks away. And then they go to commercial. When I watched this live, mm -hmm. during commercial, I went into my kitchen and I got myself a broom because I was curious how hard this was. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to watch the rest of this show holding a broom out in front of me. And I want to say I lasted about five minutes until I convinced myself this was stupid and I didn't want to do it anymore and not because of the burning pain in my shoulders. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, this sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, this reminded me of an opposite world challenge where, like, it just goes on for a really long time, but isn't that visually interesting? Not visually interesting. And, like, but, like, I think it sets the mood of, like, they are joining a cult yeah, right it's, now. It makes sense almost that it's not visually, that it's punishing. Yeah. And what's the other team doing? <laughs> um, they're kind of hanging out and then Connor. <laughs> they're kind of hanging out with Connor. The other team is joining a cult. <laughs> yeah. And then Connor like lets Chris and an angel get in her car because the sweepers have been following them. And she's like, I know you were asking earlier about my island. My dad was a senior master sergeant in the army. And uh, he was also the foreman of the Kingfisher Cannery. Now, my dad owned Dog Island. When I was about eight years old, he uh, ran into some money problems and had to take a loan out from Kingfisher. And they wouldn't give it to us unless we put the island up for collateral. And uh, we lost it. She blames the Flints. And then they go into the Sunset Club and Angel gets Connor a beer. Mm -hmm. And she admits that she's like, I hated the Flints, but I fell in love with Nate. Um... And then a sweeper touches Prudence's shoulder. Mm -hmm. So in response, she spears him out a window. Goldberg. Finally, Goldberg versus the cleaner, Kenny Omega, takes place. And she goes flying through a glass door. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most visually fun moments of the show. Um, then we cut back to Alan and Jeff, who are playing this weird logic game. That doesn't work because Alan and Jeff are both kind of stupid. Well, is is this the, the water bucket challenge or was this something before? This that? is the water bucket challenge. Okay, so 
they have to hold on to this rope that has a bucket of water in it. And anytime they answer a question right, they take water out of it. But it's all stuff like uh, a father and son get into a car accident. But when they go to get surgery, the doctor says, I can't do this surgery. That's my son. How is that possible? It's like, oh, we're, all, we're just going to do riddles we all heard in fifth grade? The yeah. doctor's the mother. Okay. Turns out... <laughs> Alan and Jeff did not hear this in the fifth <laughs> did grade. Did not hear any of these riddles before. I will say there's one riddle that has haunted me for a while. Okay. Brothers and sisters, I have none, but this man's father is my father's son. Who am I? Because I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, I remember this riddle and I always screwed up the logic. Repeat it. Brothers and sisters, I have none, mm-hmm. but that man's father is my father's son. Michael Jackson's really aggressive about copyright strike. His estate's really aggressive about copyright strikes because I want to start singing Man in the Mirror. See, I, I always thought like when he said that man, he was referring to himself, but that doesn't quite make sense. I think that man, he's pointing to his own son because that man's father himself mm-hmm. is my father's son himself. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good. Um, that that one's been following me around for a while, and I was never quasi... I was never positive, but I think we worked it out. Um, what do you think the answer is? So, but then, like, we see, again, we see Alan and Jeff report to the group after they get to speak to the general. So there's no, like... No suspense, yeah. No suspense of, like, I know what you're doing. I know you're trying to infiltrate. Like, nothing. Um... The club owner is annoyed by the sweepers because DeBeck was trying to buy the island for Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the money, but they just, they weren't able to do it before. Uh... Well, did did you, I think you skipped over the big reveal that DeBeck's the leader of the cult. Oh, DeBeck is the leader. I kept saying the general. General is DeBeck. Yeah, the general DeBeck is the leader. And basically after they go through everything, they put him in a dark room and DeBeck shows up and is like, ha ha, I'm the leader of this cult. And gives them ten sentences of information, maybe? Yeah. And they're like, get out of here. I gave Nate Flint $250,000 in cash in return for the Kingfisher Sardine Factory land. And just as he was about to come through on his part of the deal, he was killed. And who do you think wound up with my $250,000. Prudence, Connor. And when you see Connor, tell her she can't run forever. Gentlemen. But we joined your cult. What do you mean get out of here? (laughs) So then uh, there's a big explosion. There is? Yeah. Katie sees it from HQ. Oh, that's right. And that's when we find out that Alan and Jeff made it back. Because we find out they made it back because we see her alone at the window looking at the explosion going like, oh, no. And then you kind of see Alan and Jeff like, huh. And then we see Angel and Kristen outside and they see it. So there's no suspense that we lost an investigator, not even across a commercial break. Mm -hmm. It's Connor's houseboat. Yes. No body found, 
Connor's presumed alive, because when her body's not found, she's presumed alive. Thibodeau is presumed dead. That's a really good point. Um, and then we see that, like, the skid is taking Connor to Dog Island. So the track one is Dog Island to go see DeBeck and Connor. And track two is the remains of the houseboat. Mm-hmm. So Alan and Jeff go to the remains of the houseboat. And Frank Kovic is there, and he's like, I think this is C4. They're like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Um, Just being suspicious. So then uh, they go back to the uh, Sunrise Herald. Yeah, the the newspaper place. And Lambert shows up. Right after Frank tells Alan and Jeff how sketchy Lambert is, Lambert buys the paper and fires Frank. Yeah. And then Frank... And we see the lawyer. Yes, briefly. (laughs) She does nothing. She is there. She laughs at Frank. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he screams there's a serial killer, like, this is the time for journalism. Deanna and Lambert just laugh at Frank. And then we see a bunch of sweepers nearby. Uh, Frank has asked if they'd see, Alan and Jeff, if they'd seen Sam, and they'd lied to him. And then Frank flips out, like, Sam told us, or Sam told me, I know she was at the compound with you. So they're just like, whoops. Whoopsie. So after the, the events at the newspaper... We, we cut to Team Angel and Kristen. Yes. They're on this track where they are setting up hidden cameras because they're trying to figure out what's going on in, uh, in terms of what's going on with Prudence and everything. And they don't set the cameras up in time yeah. to get audio. Right. So they end up just getting video. And who shows up but Prudence Connor, very much alive, and Jimmy Tinker. With a big old bag. Yeah. And Prudence, like, looks in the bag, pulls out, like, a giant stack of money, and is like, awesome. Puts that down, and then the shirt comes off because Fox. And they start going at it sexually. Yes. So we find out that Jimmy and Prudence Connor were playing the Flints. Yes. And the investigators, to an extent. Yes. So, basically... What we are finding out in this moment, because this is like a lot to take in. Jimmy is the one who took the pictures of Prudence and Nate, which was a setup so the two of them could exploit them for money. Yes. And then skip town together. Yeah, so the money that Nate withdrew from his offshore account was to pay off Prudence Connor. Yes. Or really to pay off Jimmy Tinker. Yes. Which also explains why they had a fight. Yeah. I'm unclear if Nate is aware that he's being exploited by Jimmy Tinker or if it's an anonymous yeah. like blackmail situation. But it definitely makes more sense why Nate doesn't like Jimmy Tinker. Yes. Uh, but it also means that like Jimmy Tinker really didn't care about Abby yeah. this whole time. So, uh, we then cut to DeBeck, the gen- General DeBeck riding to Dog Island, and uh, Rusty Crandall's driving the car. Right. And something happens, and they get hit. Yes. On the road. And we see General DeBeck begging for mercy, and then we hear the bang stick. Yes. And then the lifeguard gets a call. It's the innkeeper that we saw a few episodes ago. Yeah, who found the burned man. Yes. And he's calling from a Taco Bell. Yeah. (laughs) This is 
so bad. It's. Uh, I literally have here the clear. This is clearly supposed to be an important moment, but I'm not over the Taco Bell. But like he's just like he's got tacos in front of him, and he's just in a Taco Bell. He's like, I have the most important information to tell you. This new cheesy gordita crunch. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> um, I legitimately don't have the information the innkeeper gives them. Because, because we were laughing too hard at Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, because it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not that important. I, I believe, because we're going to get to it, he doesn't give them the information. He tells them to meet him. Yes. At the Taco Bell. So he can give them the information. Right, right. Okay. Um, like, I could tell you over the phone, but you gotta see these deals. So Think now outside it's, the bun, man. So now it's, uh, it's killer's game time. Right. The killer's game always seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And Jeff is, like, all on his machismo. He's volunteering to be the person who goes out this time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, Katie, just pick me. Um... And they ask what uh, what rank Prudence Connor's father was in the military. Yes. And Angel deduces that it was the highest enlisted rank, which is Master Sergeant. And Laura is right, and Sam Larrabee is cleared. Yes, indeed. Um. So then Alan is, like, making fun of Kristen that she and Jeff are going to end up together. And the vote is a dead draw. Mm-hmm. Two for Kristen, two for Jeff. Katie has not voted because Katie is the lifeguard. Katie's duty as the lifeguard is to break a tie. So she kind of gets around making a real decision on her own. Yeah. By saying, like, each of you works better without the other. The team will be better off if one of you is dead, essentially. Mm-hmm. And sends them both out. Jeff has to go to the storage house behind the compound, and Kristen has to go to a trailer. For the fifth time she is going out, um, she would have a 3.125% chance of surviving. Um, Jeff is with X-Ray. And Kristen goes with Mo. And Mo is like, yeah, Lindsay was like this when she... Like, Mo is like telling Kristen how Lindsay died. Yeah, it's a bit creepy. And like, but something we didn't see enough of. Yeah, Mo is a very interesting character to not be a suspect. Also, like, the investigators... Like, they're dead in universe, but they... Their memories cease to exist, seemingly. Yeah, yeah, Moa seems to be the only person upset by all these dead investigators. Uh, meanwhile, Jeff is doing an extreme version of Whistling in the Dark. Yeah. He's just, ah, I'm Jeff! Woo! Come and get me, bro! Um, and the killer finally nails Kristen. Yeah, they do this stupid thing where Jeff walks into this one room and there's like a bag. Mm-hmm. Then we watch Kristen die. Then it turns out the bang was this OSL symbol being lit on fire. Yes. Um, but Kristen is now gone. Yes. So we are down to four investigators. We're down to Angel, Alan, Katie, and Jeff. Katie is the last female to stand. Mm-hmm. And we are down to eight suspects. Yes. However... The show says eight suspects, and the investigators think it's eight suspects. We, as the audience, saw DeBeck be murdered. Yes. Um, Laura's prediction, Frank is innocent. Did Crandall do it? Question mark. 
Yeah, now you have this theory that uh, every... You still have this, like, conspiracy idea. But that Crandall's the mastermind. Well, you think Crandall's the mastermind, yeah. Uh, except for Frank. Like, I still don't think Frank did it at this point. Right. My notes literally say Frank is wholly innocent. Right. Uh, because Frank's life sucks too badly at this point. And mm. Frank's life started sucking right after the murders. Mm. So it's not like Frank... Frank's life sucked, then murders. Right. It was murders, then Frank's life sucked. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So then we open on uh, Prudence Connor taking a crowbar to Debeck's limo. She's kind of mm. getting some anger out. Yeah. And the sweepers are not a sweeping. Well, can we talk about how no one's surprised that Prudence is alive? That's true. <laughs> like, oh, we, we thought you had exploded. Nope, just hitting this car with a crowbar. Yeah, I mean... It's entirely fair that, like, um, Angel, Kristen, and Katie wouldn't be surprised. And theoretically, you know, Gary Barbecue wouldn't be either. Right, right. So, uh, the sweepers are not a sweeping. Um, yeah, they're kind of, like, lost now. Yeah, they're dejected because they're a cult without a leader. Yeah. And because there's so few people left, the lifeguard is now exempt from the killer's game but has to do field work. Mm-hmm. There's no more like hanging out at the command center. Uh, Kristen has willed being the lifeguard to her friend, Angel. Mm-hmm. So one of the tracks is going to visit the mayor. The other track is finding Rusty and searching to Beck's limo, finding Rusty Crandall. I, I have these notes here that I'm like confused by. Okay. Orlando, who works as a custodian and got 30 years in an asylum. Yes, they go to an asylum. To, because I, they get pointed to an asylum, I think, by the killer's clue. Yes. So they go to this asylum, and if this one is, like, filmed very strangely. Yes. They, they go to this abandoned asylum that has a janitor. Mm-hmm. And the janitor's like, I don't want to talk about this. And they're like, oh, okay. And they walk away. And then I feel like they've had to tell them, like, you totally have to go back and get more information from this guy. Yeah. Because the next scene that happens feels filmed. Yes. Because it's Jeff it's Jeff and Angel on this one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my crazy. Yeah, it's Jeff and Angel being like, we got to go back in there and talk to him. We shouldn't take no for an answer. And I was like, this all feels weird. And then they go back and they're like, hey, just real quick question. And I forget what they ask him, but he immediately gives up whatever information he was supposed to give up. Yeah. Uh, and then Angel goes to fly to New Hampshire. To go meet with someone. The, meet with the innkeeper. Yes, in the Taco Bell. Yep. <laughs> Fly to this Taco Bell. It's great. Uh, and meanwhile, Alan and Katie search the limo. They don't find much. And then they go to the compound, which is now in shambles. Mm-hmm. Debeck died the previous day, but everything's already in, st- in shambles. And they find Rusty Crandall on the stage in like the all-purpose room. Well, Mary Elizabeth is the one that brings them yeah. to him. And they're like, oh... Rusty Crandall asks if they were someone specifically. Uh, He was hoping for a message. He asks if they have a message for him. It's not that they hope it's not them. He wants them to have a message for him. Do you have a message? And they're like, no. And then he screams at Mary Elizabeth. We have visitors. Say, Rusty. Do you have something for me? Actually, I just wanted to come talk to you. No one told you to give me a message? Why did you bring them to me? They just want to talk. Why did you bring them in here? They want to talk to you. I told you to leave me alone! 
pathetic. See you guys. Okay, so I'm supposed to give you a message. I'll give you a message. I had a real vision like I've never had before. I was in the car. I was with Hayden, taking him to meet Prudence Connor. And all of a sudden, I was completely blinded, like Paul on the road to Damascus. And in that moment, bang, faith. My faith returned. Everything went black. And then I woke up. Where am I? I'm upside down. I'm disoriented. Hey. Everything's hey. water dripping on me. I'm being baptized again. Why? And I, I can't feel my body. But I see Hayden, and he's struggling. Help me, Rusty, help me! And then I see an angel glide toward him. And the angel struck him down with a lightning bolt. Well, I'm screwed up. Which could be the bending stick. Yeah. And that, like, you've just been in a car accident. You're in three corn dog shy of picnic. Uh, Mary Elizabeth begs for a ride home from the investigators, <laughs> and they don't give her they one. They don't give it to her. They're like, nah, you stay here with the crazy person. Um, this episode is the only one that feels like they're not doing what they're supposed to for the plot. Yeah. They, so they have to, like, kind of shamble things together. Yeah, this is the one that feels like stuff got messed up. Uh, Rusty admits that he murdered the Flints. And we find out that the order, that the OSL has had every prominent businessman in town. Mm-hmm. So uh, we find uh, Jimmy Tinker's like furious when they have this like town meeting where Rusty screams that he did it. Let's talk about how Jimmy Tinker and Prudent don't skip town with their money. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> Um, despite being murder suspects with a lot of cash, no, they like, just kind of hang out there. We're going to hang out and see how this plays out. Uh, so Rusty confesses to all of the murders, except he has the wrong methodology for literally every murder. Yeah. Like, he's just wrong. Mm-hmm. He says he stabbed people. He says that he shot people. He strangled, uh... He strangled Lida Blodgett. Lida with the, the telephone cord. So, uh, they kind of are like, I don't think he... Did it. So they let him go. And Mary Elizabeth is furious that they let him go. Because they're like, um, you know, he's been like, scary, right? Yeah, this is an interesting scenario because he is pleading guilty to these crimes, but in the wrong way. So they're like, oh, I guess he's lying. And there is a like talk of like, well, is he just doing that to throw us off? And they're like, maybe. Either way, let's release him. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange. Because here's a great thing you could do. You could lock him in a cell and then play the killer's game. And if you both come back alive, then it's Rusty. If somebody dies, then you can clear him. Rusty has given you the tools to clear him. Yes. Or win. (laughs) Uh, she's also wearing Abby's sweater. Like, she's wearing her cheerleader sweater with the name Abby on the back. Yeah, I definitely felt like she should have just already have been there when they drove home. Yeah. But now she's like, I have to show, I had to walk here. <laughs> yeah, like, she comes in later because, like, 
I was supposed to, the script says I was supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Because it, but you didn't drive me home, it, you monster. It seems weird that the investigators wouldn't have given a 17-year-old girl a ride home when it was the two of them, and you couldn't be alone with a killer, but yeah. you could be two-on-one. Nah, you stay here with the Reverend. He sounds cool. Uh, and we find out that C.R. Flint is up in the top bedroom of the Flint's house. Uh, he's sickly. Yes. And Mary Elizabeth has been taking care of him. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Katie is sent upstairs with Mary Elizabeth, and Alan is doing a stakeout outside. Mm-hmm. Um, CR is like an older person who's not all there anymore. Mm-hmm. So Mary Elizabeth has, despite not looking like Abby, passed herself off as Abby. Yes. Uh, this is a weird casting thing. Like, if she wants to sell, like, everybody said we were twins and people mistake her for Abby, they should probably have looked remotely similar. I have a theory. Mary Elizabeth kind of looks like Katie more than she looks like Abby. She does. I think what was supposed to happen here is Katie was supposed to leave the room or that Mary Elizabeth was supposed to leave the room and then Katie was supposed to go up to this man with dementia and say, hey, it's me, Abby. Give me information. Yeah. Uh, then it's still a failure in casting of, like, then Abby should have looked like the actress who played Mary Elizabeth. I, I think the point of it is uh, it's important that Abby doesn't really look like uh, Mary Elizabeth and she can pull off pretending to be Abby, which would kind of send this message of, like, oh, it just has to be a woman. It has to be a young woman. Okay. Yeah. So it just... The fact that they don't do this super stuck out to me. I was just like, I think that's the clue. Lie! It's a reality show and no one's lying! Yeah, and then like, uh, Mary Elizabeth and Katie are like upstairs gossiping about how cute Alan is. Yeah, and then they just start talking about boys. And then Alan realizes Katie isn't answering her calm and freaks out. Yes. In something that is clearly done. Um... To set up a murder's about to happen. That we're going to lose an investigator. No, clearly done for the episode before to show next week on. Yes. And for the commercial break. Yeah, because you see Alan being like, Katie's radio's not on. Um, And and then they they turn it on and everything's fine. Yeah, and then like, CR makes a noise and then Katie and Mary Elizabeth leave Abby's room to go to him. And then we hear a bang stick noise. And Alan freaks out and bursts in. Alan finds Katie, but they can't find Mary Elizabeth. Because mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth had gone downstairs to get CR a beverage. The back door is open, and Katie, the sharp detective, wanders right into a blood puddle. Yeah, doesn't see it, steps in it, contaminates um, it. <laughs> and they kind of freak out because the door had been locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, CR is upset, clearly, because a young person was just murdered in his house. And uh, Duncan reams out Alan in what feels like a video game. Like, it reminds me of Night Trap. What? Oh, come on. No, no. Wait, what, what happened? What happened? Where the hell were you? I was out front in the car. Nothing was you going didn't see on in the front. Did you see anything? No, nothing was going on in the front. Did you search the base? Yes, I've been all through the base. You did search the base. Yes, sir. God, dog it. I don't believe what I just saw. 
Those bloodsuckers just got Lisa, and you had a chance to save her. I put the lives of those girls in your hands, and you screwed up. I'm pulling the plug on you before you do any more damage. Yeah. Like you didn't. <laughs> your job was to protect them. Yeah, it's literally what it looks like. <laughs> um, and then like the mayor, um, Mayor Bowen, Bowden, and his wife are like, we'll take care of CR. And uh, Katie was like, oh, this makes sense. Rusty Crandall had said, beware the horror of B- Babylon. And he totally met Mary Elizabeth. And they were like, you don't know that he met Mary Elizabeth. And she goes, yeah, he said Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of like, hashtag justice for Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, She's only in a cult and in to get her fingers in everything going on in the town. <laughs> She's lost her best friend. She yeah. clearly doesn't have much of a family situation. She strips under her real name. Yeah, like... <laughs> she doesn't have it figured out. <laughs> like, she's a sex worker in the next town. I'm feeling like her parents are not very involved in her life. That's true. Uh, in that we never see her parents. No. <laughs> um. So they're kind of like, okay, this is terrifying. And... Uh, they ask, they, then they go to the killer's game because suddenly killer's game. Yeah, it's like, we have things to do. <laughs> and it was, what year was the burned man hurt? And they're yeah. like, 1941. This is a fact we remember. Yeah. And it's uh, in a video that the killer gave us. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of just like, well, this was an easy one. Hooray. And because I'm correct again, remember how last episode my prediction was it's going to be Sam or the mayor? Mm-hmm. It was Sam last time. It's the mayor this time. Yes. So... Um, that's one less suspect. We're kind of running low on suspects because now they're also dying. Yes. Um, and this time it is Katie and Jeff who get sent out. And Jeff does his big bravado thing. And we see Angel praying for Katie to return. Yeah. Which is like a sweet moment because like Angel doesn't seem to get along as well. Like he doesn't hate Jeff and Alan, but he clearly gets along better. With Katie. With Katie. And when Jeff comes back, he and Angel actually get into a big fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Katie is killed. Yeah. Uh, I don't even have the locations for the killer's game because they, they don't... They never matter. Yeah. So, finale. Yes. We're down to Angel, Alan, and Jeff. And the only remaining suspects are now Rusty, Jimmy, Frank, Prudence, and Lambert. The next note is Laura still thinks it's Lambert. Yes. Um, now, I want to say this really quick. After every episode, I was like, so who's the killer? So who's the killer? And other than the few times you were saying conspiracy and things like that, you just kept saying Lambert over yeah. and over and over again. And it wasn't until this episode where you were saying it was Lambert because, you know, he was in all the episodes and... Uh, they're trying too hard to make it look like it's these other people. This is the first time I said, well, what if you look at the evidence? And it was like, I watched a light bulb go off in your head that you were like, oh, yeah, there's evidence, not just trope information <laughs> that I can use to solve this. It's 100% true. And Laura, I, I wish I had it recorded the way you said this. You were like, yeah. I don't think there's any information for it to be anyone. Oh, Frank's an orphan. <laughs> uh, no, I actually have the exact quote. Shit, wait, Frank is adopted. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, 
I also, for some reason, I've decided I am fond of Frank, and I like. Didn't. Yeah, you were a big Frank defender the whole time. Yeah, and I, I'm still like, no, that's a red herring. Frank is fine. I like Frank. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, we we realize that like we go over all the bodies, like because we find the bodies. Yes, that's the killer clue. Is they find this body, these this cache, this cache of bodies, like this tomb. Yeah, but it's not the victims. Yeah, of the killer, it's the Duchamps. Yes, and it's eight bodies. And then you see me counting out everyone who we know has died so far. So I was like, okay, Abby, Nate, Mary, uh, Mary Elizabeth, the General, Lyda, Oscar, Thibodeau. That's seven. And I go, oh, they're going to try. I was like, I bet Sam is the last victim. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that I immediately called. I was like, they're going to go after the pregnant woman. Uh, criminal minds rules. Uh, pregnant women make uh, compelling victims. Yeah. Or let me rephrase that. Compelling hostages. Yes. Uh, because there's so much more at stake. There's so much on the line. Uh, I also at one point counted how many dead investigators there were. Yeah, you were like, is it the investigators? I was like, those were skeletons there, Lara. No, I meant like, were the investigators in play? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I know, I knew they were too far decomposed. Um, Jeff and Alan immediately go, it's Kovic. And I was like, oh, that means it's Lambert. Um, <laughs> because I think Jeff and Alan are stupid. Uh, Katie has willed Angel to be the final lifeguard. Uh, she calls him hot. In her parting message. Yeah. Uh, she was like my favorite. Yeah, Katie's fun. And I, I like that her last act was to protect him. And that I felt like if Angel had been sent out in the killer's game, his final act would have been to protect her. Yes. So uh, Angel... So they're, they're counting that there's nine people in the picture of the Duchamps. And Angel kind of like looks over the picture again and reminds Gary Pringles that the little boy was spared and figures out that that was the burned man. Yes. So they're all, they're, they're finally putting stuff together. And I get there just ahead of them yeah. in all of this, which I'm kind of proud of myself. Yeah, like, I, I think we might've glazed over this when they were searching the limo. They found the picture yes. of the uh, Duchamps. That's how they kind of are able to tie everything together. So they go like, one of the adult men was missing two fingers. And I was like, oh, Nate's fingers were cut off. Mm-hmm. There's two adolescent twin girls, Abby and Mary Elizabeth, who mm-hmm. we keep being told are twins. One of the older women had alopecia. And I was like, oh, that's got to be lighter because they were trying to shave they her shaved head. Her head. Uh, so we then they, like everybody kind of just takes like grasping at straws mm-hmm. reasons for who everyone else is. They have three really good ones and then a bunch that they're like, and that kind of works. Yeah. That they gloss over and they're like, yeah. Again, they might have missed stuff, but we don't know. Yeah. So there's a woman left. And so we're like, okay, there's a woman left. And I was like, hmm, they think it's Connor. Yeah, they think they're going to go after Prudence. The investigator, well, the investigators think the murderer is going to go after Prudence. And then like, you can kind of tell in this minute that Gary Tostitos is getting frustrated and he's like, it could be any woman gestures at the, yes. uh, cause there's still Sam, mm-hmm. like Sam Larrabee is yeah. still alive. The mayor enters and the town is like freaking out. Uh, they were calling a town meeting at 5 PM 
And we start to see the sweeper. Like the sweepers are out again. And so then like C.R. Flint is upset. Angel reads a statement from like what the investigators have discovered. Because people are like, a lot of people have been murdered and the town is rightfully kind of upset. Uh, Rusty Crandall is a big old drama queen and he's like, repent, repent. Um, I'm crazy now. And then Kovic screams like, you can't hide the past. And the mayor's wife is like, we're going to try. What a speci- what an oddly specific thing to say. Um, and then, like, we get killer's game envelopes. Yeah. Like, really early. It's like, ooh, they came early. Because it's the finale, and yeah. there's always a mid-finale elimination. That's how it works. Yeah, they figured that part out of reality shows. So they have When the Burnt Man Died, and so they get successful that it's 1971, and Rusty Crandall is cleared. Yes. Which we kind of knew because, like, they let him go after he confessed wrong to all the murders. Yeah, again, I think it's dumb that they let him go when they could have just been like, we have re- we have just cause to keep him until after the killer's game. And, like, we don't really ever find out why Rusty Crandall confessed. He's crazy. Yeah, like, there's never a good reason. So Alan gets sent to the Flint house and Jeff has to go back to the cult compound. And, uh... Jeff kind of has a feel. He's no longer doing the whistle in the dark thing. He has a bad feeling. Yeah. Um, Which to me makes me think a producer says, hey, you're killing all the goddamn tension. Shut up this time. Yeah. You know why? Because you're leaving. And there is a, um, a gimmick in this elimination that instead of naming the last lifeguard, that... Each of the remaining men will choose a suspect to chase. Yes. And that the dead investigator will settle any ties. Yes. Um, so Jeff will choose who gets to follow their main suspect. Mm-hmm. Just in case they both pick one. Yes. Um, so they kind of... Uh, Jeff, uh, Angel is like... We see a talking head with Angel, where he's like, I think it's Lambert. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's Lambert. Um, And then we see Alan like, I think it's Frank. And I'm like, I hate Alan. Uh, So Alan is like hanging out with X-Ray, because this is before the killer's game. They make their choices before the killer's game. Um, So... Well, they don't make their choices yet on who it is, because they get another clue at the killer's game. That's right. I think they're they're signaling who they may pick. Yeah, they're they're, they're trying storytelling here. So, um, we kind of see this like Angel is by himself alone in the command center because he's the only who he's the only one who was never sent out in a killer's game either. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about that more when uh, as our post mortem for this. Yeah, and then Jeff finds the red X, and then Alan returns. With mm-hmm. the Alan returns. Yeah. Because each of them finds an ex, that's just where you get killed or where you get the clue. Mm-hmm. And Angel gives Alan the biggest smile of like, buddy! Because he hated God. Um, and Alan comes back with the rest of the Burn Man film. Yes. Alan also demands, he demands a hug. Oh, <laughs> That's right. I forgot. He, he he demands a hug from Gary Pretzel, who denies him of said hug. He gets a hearty handshake. 
And we find out that C.R. Flint just died of natural causes. Just, you know, throw yeah, that in there. Yeah, but yeah, that, that character's over. Um, so then we see the, like, it's a film of the roll call of an OSL meeting. Merchant. Flint. Thibodeau. Blodgett. Debeck. Larrabee. Whoops! So, now we know Sam Larrabee is the final victim, and that the killer has already apprehended Sam. Yeah, so they run over there and they just find a television. They find <laughs> uh, the TV cart your teacher brought in when it was Bill Nye the Science Guy died? Yeah, when they're hungover. Um, and the killer thanks the players for playing. Yeah. Congratulations. You are seeing this because you have... Being successful in your investigation. And because you have followed the leads that I have left you. I can't do this. I am going to claim my last victim before the day ends. My work here will be finished. And I will go back into the background. Wrongs will have been righted. And a terrible injustice revealed. Thank you. None of this would have been possible without you. I have enjoyed our game. I hope you have too. Okay, bud. And if Katie was still alive, she'd be like, yeah, totes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so then we see the Burnt Man video. Yeah, they find the end of the Burnt Man video. And he addresses his child, yes. who, he is, who is supposed to finish his work. It is intended for, he says, my son. So now prudence has been cleared. Yes, that prudence gets cleared for being a lady. Yes. And then they also clear Jimmy for being too young. Yeah, uh, the Burnt Man died in 71, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Tinker is 23. So Jimmy Tinker had not been born yeah. for another six, seven years. So then that leaves Frank and Lambert. Mm-hmm. So um, they have to do all the studying that they can so they can pick who they think the killer is. Yeah, so like Lambert, uh, we find out that Lambert was born, he's currently 46 years old, and he was born to a 15-year-old single mother. Which would have made him 55, so the Burnt Man would have been roughly 16-ish. Mm-hmm. A little older, maybe. Uh, but he would have been a reasonable age to be... I might be doing the math wrong. Um, I might be doing the math wrong. Um, yeah, I don't think, you, based off the age of the sun, you can find the age of the Burnt Man. <laughs> right. Kovic would have been only five when the Burnt Man died. And Lambert would have been a teenager. Yeah. Um... And so they kind of go back and forth. On on the two suspects. And Angel changes his mind. He had been all in on Lambert and decides Lambert was too old to inherit that kind of video. Mm-hmm. Um, that like the Burnt Man might have just told. Yeah. A son that old. And so he thinks it's free. He and Alan both pick Frank. Now, I want to I want to point this out. Right before Angel pulls out the uh, the picture. 
uh, I pause it and I look at you and I go, this is your last chance. Who's the killer? And you say Lambert. Mm -hmm. And then Angel pulls out the picture and you go, damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Uh, And uh, because we, I guess we won't spoil it now, but... uh, we we knew who the ki- the the winner was. Yeah, I knew who the investigator was. I didn't know who the killer was, but I knew who the investigator that won was. Yeah. So when they both pull out uh, Frank Kovic, Laura thinks she's wrong. Yeah. And then since only one person's allowed to follow Kovic, uh, Jeff is the one who decides who gets the go, and he picks his boy Alan. He picks his boy Alan, forcing Angel to investigate Lambert. And then I was like, ha ha! <laughs> um, yeah. My next notes are, if I'm right, I'm going to be so smug. Yes. I also super don't want it to be Frank because I like Frank. Mm-hmm. Frank's houseboat is kind of jacked up and sad. Well, we get the, we finally get to see what's in Frank's lamp. Oh. Frank's uh, houseboat. That jacked up and sad note is before we go into the houseboat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like they set up this mystery of what's in this houseboat. It's a creepy murder lair. Yeah, it's, like it's, um, if you've seen the Always Sunny meme of like standing in front of the like yeah. bulletin board. Yeah. It's, it's a Pepe Sylvia situation. Uh, but like he's got pictures of everything. He's got pictures of all the investigators with Pete with their like faces crossed out when they're dead, which means he's the only person in town that cares that these people die. Yes, and he's got like melons that have been destroyed with uh, bang sticks. Yeah, <laughs> and Alan's like Sam, <laughs> Sam, are you in here? Yeah, Alan- and Frank's like no. <laughs> Yeah, Alan's doing, like, a big damn heroes thing. Like, Alan thinks he's busting into this houseboat and rescuing the damsel. Mm-hmm. And Kovic wants them to leave the houseboat because he's terrified mm-hmm. that his best friend, whom he's gotten pregnant, yeah. is going to die horribly quite soon. And in one of my favorite moments, Alan's like, I want to look around here. And Frank's like, okay, I'm leaving. Yeah, he, like, pieces out because he's like, I'm going to go... Try to save... And Alan stays! He thinks Frank's the murderer and allows him to leave. Yeah. So he can look around his houseboat. Yes. And then we go to Lambert's house and Angel calls for Sam and is answered by a woman's hysterical screaming. And we see a tableau like the picture of the Duchamp Mm -hmm. family. And the rest of the bodies have been like propped up. Yes. Into the tableau. Because it was Lambert. Laura was right. Hey. <laughs> um, so then, like, there's a dramatic... This is this feels very questy to me. Because mm-hmm. Angel doesn't have a lot to do with this part. Yeah. Uh, the cop shoots Lambert, and Lambert falls out a window dramatically to the, uh, to the ground floor. And Angel picks up and Princess carries Sam out. Mm-hmm. Um, Kovic is like devastated and he's trying to find Sam and the cop like tries to get Angel to put Sam down and Sam's like no no not near here or not near him yeah like Angel is a first responder yeah and Angel's like trying to protect the mental health of an actor because he's like yeah in it he like he's definitely like in character of sorts and uh Alan still lives 
Yeah. Uh, this isn't one of those shows where, like... He just loses, yeah, like he, a loser. He just loses, like <laughs> a loser. He has to live in shame. But he does get one prize. Uh, Gary Pirate Booty finally hugs him. <laughs> he finally gets his hug from Gary Cheeto. Um, so then we flash forward to Founder's Day. One year later, because Founder's Day is where all this started. And everyone who's still alive is super happy. And we see Frank and Sam and their baby daughter. Because mm-hmm. I guess he didn't reconcile with his wife and just marries yeah. Sam. Yeah, he gets a happy ending of abandoning his current family to live with a new one. Yeah, like, it's weird that that's a thing. He doesn't have a job. Uh, well, <laughs> he might. He might have gotten his job back after Lambert was accused yeah, of murder. Maybe. Yeah, And then we close on Angel doing his last talking head. Fun, but I'm a firefighter, not an investigator. I tip my hat to those guys who do that for a living. Yeah. <sighs> and now this is the part, friends, where we have to bring the mood down mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, Angel was a firefighter, and he passed away a week after the last episode aired uh, because he died in 9/11. He died in the World Trade Center. Uh, yeah. He. Died a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a firefighter in the Bronx, and he didn't make it out of the second tower. Yeah. Um, and it's... It, it's kind of uh, heartwarming in a weird way that he's depicted so kindly in the show that aired. And, like, the show aired before September 11th, so, like, mm-hmm. it's not like the producers could have recut it. Yeah. Like, it airs showing him in this very nice light, and then a week later, he passes away. But, like, you get the the real measure of who this man was. Mm-hmm. And, like, it really hit me yeah. when I saw that, like, I'm a firefighter, not an investigator. Because, like, he was a truly good man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, it's, it's crushing mm-hmm. to me that... Like, I, I definitely think it's one of the saddest things that we've encountered on this show. Yeah. Because um, he's clearly a wonderful person yeah. and clever and a hero. And I, you know, I hope his family yeah. was able to find comfort in mm-hmm. watching this. Um, of seeing, you know, their family member be... Yeah, it, this is a very nice thing for them to have. Yeah, I agree. Um so, there's a lot of stuff I think we got to go back and talk about here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think we 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 accidentally grazed over mm-hmm. is the town meeting that happens. We talk about it a little bit. Yeah. It happens at Buffalo Bills. Or, or $2 Bills or whatever the hell it's called. Oh, does it? So, completely destroying the idea that this was a secret location. It happens outside of town. Yeah, it's also a town meeting. I wonder if it's... Um... They only had so many sets. They only had so many sets. That's exactly what it is. But I remember when it happened being like, this is stupid. Yeah, that's that's kind of, to me, it strikes me as like, mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of sets. Uh, what do you think of this show strictly from a gameplay reality show's uh, point of view? Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it shoots itself in the foot a lot. Because um, something that... Who Done It does well. Because I think about the show in the uh, vein of Who Done It a lot. Is Who Done It does a good job of ratcheting up the suspense. 
yeah. before an investigator is killed. This really doesn't, like, mm-hmm. the, the night vision gimmick doesn't really work. No. I know this is, like, peak found footage post-Blair Witch, um, but it doesn't quite work because we can't see anything. Um, it's kind of shaky cam. Yeah. So I feel like the show could have really done more to ratchet up the suspense. If someone's alone with a suspect, there should be some, like, red herrings of, like, you know, you're alone with Prudence and, you know, she reaches into a drawer. And, like, oh, my God, she's going to pull out a gun. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it's this. Yeah, I will say, from a a viewer point of view, uh, there's a couple huge failings. Yeah. The two biggest being, one... uh, Nobody ever gets killed by the killer outside of the killer's game. Yeah. And, like, that was something that they played up a lot. It's true. They really kind of pushed that that was going to happen. To not have it happen, or at least, like, a close call. Yeah, like, there could have been a narrow escape. And I feel like a good time to do it would have been in the house with, uh... In the house would have been great. Uh, When the guy was by the grave by himself would have been great. Yeah, when either of them. But nothing. Uh... The the other big failing to me, this show is super fun to watch. Yeah. But when you look back on it retrospectively, what did the investigators do? LARPed. Like, I mean... They answered some questions, right? Other than, like, the Killer's Game segment of this, they never successfully remove a suspect. No, suspects are only removed during the killer's game or when they are killed. Yeah, or the one time where they were like, mm, Prudence is a woman. Yeah, like <laughs> when it was so inalienable. Jimmy Tinker wasn't born yet. So I think that hurts this gameplay part of it where it's like, I don't want to eliminate this person because he's a strong player and we need him for the investigation. Like hell you do. You're, you don't solve anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're not figuring anything out. Like, I mean, at this point, it's kind of early. Like, when they're saying stuff like that, it's so early in the game that I think they think they're going to do more. The only thing that ever felt like, wow, they really caught something, was the piece of Lambert's jacket that, that they never refused to talk about for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, so I have that issue with it. In terms of, like... The players playing the game, I think it is uh, completely underrated how strong of a game Angel plays. Yes. Because Angel makes it a point to befriend Kristen. Yeah. And as long as Kristen's in the game, uh, she's the target. Mm Mm-hmm. So that kind of helps Angel hide from being a target. And he also, he befriends Kristen but does not antagonize everyone else. Yes. So he avo- he hides himself from being a target and stands behind the clear target, knowing full well that she's going to be sent out there until she dies. And when she does die, he'll be the next lifeguard. He'll be the next lifeguard. This is a very well-played game. And he's also him. the tightest with Katie. Yes. So, like, logically, I would imagine if... Because uh, Katie does name Angel mm-hmm. as the life, the last lifeguard. So, following that logic, she probably would have always picked him. Mm-hmm. He plays, as well as being, like, compassionate, he plays a clever game. Yeah, the, like, reality show strategy part of this is so underplayed 
for what the show is because it kind of needs to be. But Angel plays a great game for what the rules of this are. Absolutely. So kudos there as well. Yeah. That being said, can we talk about the real winner of Murder in Small Town X? The real winner is Jimmy Tinker. (laughs) Jimmy Tinker wins $250,000, except his money is tax-free, and he banged the three hottest girls in town. Yeah? Jimmy Tinker won. He is the winner of this show. Angel wins the game. Jimmy (laughs) Tinker just kind of was living his best life. Yeah. He works at a strip club. He made a quarter of a million dollars and banged the hot girl after banging the hot girl after banging the hot girl. Yeah. Jimmy kind of has a good... And I believe we do see Jimmy and Prudence talking during the last... He suffers no consequences. There's extortion... There's blackmail. I think you bring up a good point of no one, outside of like actually committing murder, no one suffers any consequences for any of their other bad behavior that gets... He's got... We see Crandall during Founder's Day and he's just still there. He's got pornographic videos of Abby who is 17. Yeah. He suffers no consequences and wins a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, you're right. I I really didn't think of that. (laughs) It dawned on me. I was like, man, Jimmy Tinker... Killing it in this show. Yeah. Uh, any any more things to say? Uh, I I get the Taco Bell was their sponsor. Oh, do you? Did you pick like, that up? It it's very jarring and very mm. poorly done. Yes, please meet me at the Taco Bell. Just put a Taco Bell in the town, like <laughs> yeah, no, fly to New Hampshire. Um. And I will say that, like, we always read the disclaimer that runs Mm. after episodes of reality shows. And the identity of the killer and locations for the eliminations were predetermined. Yes. And, uh, you know, Gary is also not told. Yes. I couldn't think of a snack food in time. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Gary Pringles. Wow, we use Pringles. I did. Yeah. um, Gary Chex Mix. Yes. Edit that in. (laughs) Done. Uh, So if you have nothing more. I don't. I have a story. Noah has a story. So, I brought this up at the Moola Beach episode. Okay. That in high school, what I liked to do was create these reality shows for my friends to play. Yes. So, as someone who is a big fan of this show, I attempted to run my own called Murder in Small Town Q, because Q is the funniest of all the letters. Okay. I probably called it Murder in a Small Town Q. Because you have that Mandela effect real hard. So what I... This was like one of the biggest things I had ever started working on in high school. I had a notebook that I stuck a, a combination lock on so no one could see like my notes and stuff. I'm picturing a Lisa Frank diary, like a third grader had. No, this... Nope, nope. Nothing you say will make me not think that. It had unicorns, everyone. I, I would... You're kind of, like, hurting the view of it. Okay. Because it was, like, a big combination, like, locker Oh, you lock had, like, a gym locker lock. That I jammed through a notebook so I could make these 
this like write this story, and I was also drawing these maps of the town. Yes. And what I was going to do was everyone was going everyone who was playing had a player piece, and then I had fifteen action figures that were going to be the different members of the town. Okay. Uh, so. I tried to use my most human-looking action figures. So I had, like, Dwayne and Austin, who were, like, wrestling action figures. Right. Jubilee was in there. Uh, 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 just, I know one of my characters was Mortis, who was a furry, because he, he was a, a lion. <laughs> and I started writing this insane story. Yes. Uh I had I had a I had a Triple H uh, action figure, and like his part of the story was he was allergic to shirts because I didn't have a shirted <laughs> action figure of him. Okay. Uh, and then reasonable. You, you would find out later that he, he had some like very common job, but he was very much loaded. Okay, because he's Triple H. <laughs> No, he's not. He's he's an original character played by my Triple H action figure. Uh, and Hunter Hearst Helms. He was going to be a drug dealer. And Ooh. you were going to find that out by tapping his phone line. And he would talk about selling shirts. But he was allergic to shirts. So, like, it was supposed to be a successful version of the show, but also clearly a parody of the show. Oh, see, in my mind, that's... I lead others to a treasure I cannot possess. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I made myself laugh really. I don't understand that reference. Oh, that's Vormir. That's Red Skull. He leads others to a treasure he cannot possess. Right. The Soul Stone. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about? The Triple H is allergic to shirts and sells shirts. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm funny. Uh, Another major part that I really liked this as a concept, and I, I might use this in some other thing that I was doing, uh... This was supposed to play off of that theory I had about the the dying old man. Yes. One of the only witness to the murder was going to be a parrot. <laughs> and they were going to find out that the parrot like repeated things. Yeah, cuz it's a parrot. But if you said certain phrases to it, it would respond with something that happened at the murder. Ooh. So like I That's had, actually a really fun. So there was game. this like neat dynamic like one thing that I did that the show didn't do is I built in games. Yes. And that is a huge thing that is missing from this show. You're you're 100% right. I, that story was a very long story to get to that idea. This was an idea I meant to bring up earlier that I forgot. There's okay. way there's still so much more story. Oh my god. <laughs> but let's let's bring it back to this. The Killers game. Yes. The fact that this isn't a game yeah. is so stupid. That it's half chance and it's just idiot wandering in the woods or whatever. Yeah, this should like there should be a task they need to complete. It should be Escape the Night. Yeah. It should be, all right, you're both here. Here's your challenge. The winner will leave with a clue. The loser will die. And, like, obviously, they shouldn't be whodunit creative, because whodunit's deaths were so creative that they kind mm-hmm. of, like, were ridiculous. Uh, I do believe at one point I turned to you and went, I missed the mountain lion. Yes. I, which I think I said last show, too. Mm-hmm. Um the investigator's deaths don't mean anything, and that bothers me. Of like, there's not even 
the other contestants don't seem to remember them. Mm -hmm. Which is a little weird to me of like, even in dating show reality shows, we've seen the contestants have more of an opinion or more of a reaction to people leaving. Yeah. I always think of a uh, rock of love when like, uh, Brandy C actively mourns mm-hmm. Megan. Yes. Like, like the fact that we have that it doesn't phase anyone that the investigators are dying is so dumb. And the fact that they don't make the elimination something more interesting yeah. than flipping a coin is a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I'm really wondering if it's because at that time, was it because the the big thing was Blair Witch? Maybe. Maybe like, it was the influence of Blair Witch. That uh, actually makes a lot of sense. Because I, I was reading uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which I got out of the library uh, right before lockdown. And I finally gave back today. Yeah. Um, and that's where the concept of like the final... It's, final Girl is legitimately like a scholarly horror film theory. Yeah. So I, I was just reading about horror film theory. So I always think of like the contemporality of horror and how horror tends to move in phases Mm -hmm. like now we have a lot of like we're we're in a big age for horror comedy yes yes we are um horror kind of also wants to be another genre usually comedy Mm -hmm. um because like get out is a horror comedy yeah and uh i'm thinking about like because we're seeing ads for freaky constantly yeah, Freaky's a good example. But like Freaky and Freaky's mom, Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. Because that there's a whole company that's just doing, hey, this comedy movie, but slashers. Yeah, but with murder. Groundhog Day, but with murder. Mm-hmm. Freaky Friday, but with murder. Uh, Heather's, but with murder. Oh, wait. <laughs> I think that was 16 Candles, but with murder. Uh Breakfast Club, but with Maybe murder? Breakfast Club. Pretty. Oh, there's no, a, it's pretty in pink, It's pretty in pink with murder. Uh, murder Party is uh, Breakfast Club, but with murder. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, to, to finish my story. Okay. Because this, I haven't told anyone this part because it's embarrassing. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I also wanted to, like hit a lot of the, the the points of the show. So I also had a cult. I had the Association of the Super Suspicious. Because it was high school. It was spelled ass. High school. Um, and like I also had like the cult initiation thing and stuff like that. But a major element of Murder in a Small Town X and thus Murder in a Small Town Q was the racy pictures that they find. I had two action figures of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mm -hmm. and I had two action figures of The Rock. Twins! I had Street Fight Stone Cold and Street Fight Rock and, like, Trunks Austin and Trunks Rock. So the idea was I would bring Street Fight to school during, like, the play stuff. And they would find pictures of Trunks Austin and Trunks Rocks in compromising positions. <laughs> this is very high school. To do this, I would have to take pictures of my action figures in compromising positions. So, 
I took my action figures. I was putting them in these compromising Please positions. Please tell me your dad is involved in the story. No, the strangest thing happened. Anytime I tried to take a picture of my action figures, the camera wouldn't work. But whenever I moved it away, the camera would go off. And I was like, this is so, like, what am I doing wrong? And I remember there's a moment where I had them in a compromising position and I'm hitting the button and nothing's happening. And I knocked them out of the way and hit the button and it went off. And I was just like, this isn't meant to be. Screw it. And I canceled the whole project. Oh my God. In that moment. And then like a week later, I just started thinking like, I would have had to take that film to like Rite Aid. And then the guy would see these pictures I took. Because like I didn't have a digital camera. No, I was this using is like, film. This is like 2002, this. yeah. I was like, then the guy would have seen, and then I would have taken them to school. And then I would just have like weird gay action figure pictures on my person in school. I'm glad I didn't do this. <laughs> this could have been a whole problem. And then, like, it's amazing. It dawned on me later because I was actually going to have the killer come out and kill people. Like, that was a big thing that I was going to come through on that promise. And they would roll a die to decide Mm -hmm. if they would have lived or died. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I was just tricking my friends into playing a really weird, self created version of Dungeons and Dragons during lunch. No one would have liked us. I'm so glad I did not pursue this. (laughs) That's adorable. So murder in a small town queue is something I had tucked away in the back of my brain for quite some time. Mm. And uh, I'm glad I got this opportunity to share it with you, the Stay Doomed audience. All right. Well, we're we're closing in on this being a two-hour episode. Oh, yeah. Let's... uh... Let's. I promised that story, so I had to deliver. I know. So well, let's, uh, let's give it a verdict. Yeah, because also dinner's in the crock. Yes, I'm I hungry. Um, I'm gonna give this a stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obviously would need some tweaks in future seasons, but the idea is good, and I think the tweaks I would make would not make it game over rule, like gamifying the killer's game a little yeah. more. Um, reality shows grow over time. Like Survivor season one versus Survivor now is completely different. Yeah, instead That's of like happen. the red envelope being just a random trivia question, having it be something a little more interesting to solve. Yes, and have it go to commercial then. Yeah, um, but I think they lay really interesting groundwork. I think it's a really strong show. Yes, I agree. Uh, I'm going to give it a stay tuned as well. Yay! There's a weird part of me that has this idea that it should stay tuned and be a reality show every other season. Okay. Because I also would just watch a show about these characters. Okay. So, which I guess I'm just kind of saying, like, I'd watch Riverdale. <laughs> but, I, I like... I would watch a show where it's just like, yeah, it's not a game show. It's just what happens next to Jimmy Tinker and Frank. I mean, you could do the whodunit route where future seasons, they set up in the prequel novels Mm -hmm. that the murder curse just follows Giles. Yeah. I could see this being something that just follows like Jimmy Tinker. Yeah. Or maybe like Frank Kovic because he, and he could just like, that would be funny. 
Because they'd have to have a reason for him to be around. I guess, like, you solved the murders in Sunrise. I mean, 12 more people died, but... Yeah, yeah. You only had to kill 12 people to solve this murder. Yeah, I've got to be totally honest. Gary Rice Krispie Treat, not a great detective. No, terrible. Yeah, we have to play the killer's game. It's the only way. You don't have, like, tools or something, maybe? (laughs) No, only way. Get out there, kid. Could you give me a gun and I could just, like, kill this guy when he attacks me? Nope. Here's a bad camera. Yeah, like, could I at least have, like, a good camera so I could maybe try to take a picture of him? Just in case? (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever want to review this footage, maybe? Right? No. You're dead to us. (laughs) Killer's game. I would also like to say murder in small town Q. Stay tuned. (laughs) All right. So, um... Next week. Yeah, next week. We kind of had like a serendipitous thing um, where I, we were kind of hunting for something to watch next week. We wanted something kind of light and fun because we're a little short on time. And I remembered that next week uh, Hulu is dropping their Animaniacs reboot. Yes. Uh, They are dropping it. Oh, they're actually dropping it this Friday. But if you want an appetizer before... Uh, the Animaniacs reboot, we will be watching Pinky Elmira and the Brain. Yes. Spun off from not one, but two classic 90s cartoons. Just smashed them together. And I love both of these cartoons. Like, I love... I've never watched Pinky Elmira and the Brain. Was, Nor have I. Uh, I was a little bit older when the show came out. Yeah, but I was a super Pinky and the Brain fan. And so I was I'm a big excited. Tiny Toons. I loved Tiny Toons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... To this... I actually own several seasons of Animaniacs on DVD. Right. Uh, that's actually my very first hangover I spent watching Animaniacs on TV. So Nice. Uh, not on TV, like, first run, because that implies I was hungover in, like, 93 mm-hmm. when I was, like, a child. I watched the DVDs. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to subscribe, or watching, or listening, depending on which platform you uh, enjoy this show. Uh, be sure to uh, check out our Patreon. We'll be dropping our first bonus episode soon. Like I said, we've been having some problems, but uh, I will be dropping a review of the Nightmine Candy Bowl very soon on our Patreon, so be sure to check that out. And also, you will have a voice coming soon And what will we be watching next. Where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And uh, if you want to sign up for Murder in a Small Town queue, No, no, don't promise that. I'm at plus two count. Because someone's going to want that. <laughs> We, if we get enough players, we'll think about it. If you were right in the first episode of this show and you want to lord it over somebody, you can't lord it over me because I was also right, but I can commiserate with you. At Stay Doomed. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>